Greetings, listeners. It's Dr. Dawn. And for the next 30 minutes, I want to impact your opinion about love and money in a modern world, a world in which women have more education, power, and influence than ever before in the history of the world. We are living at the intersection of love and money, but which one will we choose and how will it affect our relationships and the way we love? Thank you for listening to She Makes More Podcast. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Dawn with episode number eight of She Makes More Podcast. So hopefully you listened to episode seven, which was the first part of a two-part topic, which is the first date faux pas for successful women. First date mistakes, errors, pitfalls that we fall into as successful ladies. So let's move into part two of this conversation. As I've mentioned, all of this information and advice is coming straight from real men who shared with me in a series of interviews. I call it the men's tent, all about some things that they love and hate about dating ladies who are successful high earners. So I'm so thankful. I'm so indebted to the men for their transparency of opening up, talking to me, showing that vulnerability of their experiences with women who identify as high-powered, accomplished ladies, and how we're showing up on that first date is affecting whether we're being asked out on that second date. So let's just make sure that we are crystal clear. We get really granular about some of the pitfalls that we're falling into. So let's keep that conversation going. Moving on, first date faux pas. So one of the complaints that the men had about our behavior on the first date is being overly judgmental, overly opinionated, or overly combative when we don't agree with someone about something. So overly judgmental just means that you are not willing to see the other side of a particular opinion, and you may get very emotional about it. You may become very derogatory in your response or reaction. So one of my college friends used to say a saying um, many, many years ago that really stuck with me. And that is, if you like it, I love it. If you like it, I love it. That means if I like you, if I care about you and you like something, that means I give myself permission to, to like it or to love it as well. Because I like who you are, If you like whatever that thing is, I'm going to try my hardest to also embrace it or accept it because I like you. So, you know, you can put that into practice however you see fit, but it's a great mantra. It's a great tagline. So when we show up on a date and we know we're having these conversations, these introductory conversations about meeting each other, getting to know each other, and we're two different people. We're going to have differing opinions about probably a lot of things. We are not twins. We are not many me's of each other. We came from, you know, two different, maybe parts of the country, two different sides of the track. Who knows what things we're going to potentially disagree on. However, it's all about how are you handling the disagreement? 
And sometimes for us as successful ladies who are maybe used to giving demands and commands and calling the shots at our office, we can fall into a mindset to say that, well, my choice is clearly the superior choice. So when we fall into that mindset, it's dangerous because it makes us, again, overly judgmental, overly opinionated, and sometimes even combative when a guy says something or has a differing opinion. So we can disagree with someone without putting them down, okay? Because each of us has permission. We are humans. We have human rights, okay? We have permission to like what we like, to appreciate what we appreciate without being judged on that. Doesn't mean that you have to make him feel embarrassed about it. Doesn't mean that you have to just pounce on him, roll your eyes, suck your teeth, crunch up your face, all of this. And it doesn't even mean that you have to pull out the research, right? We know we are intelligent ladies that have a lot of foundation of knowledge. And we already talked about on the last episode, keeping it light. Should something come up that you guys disagree on, let it go. It's not that serious. Here's an example. Some people are very passionate about, they're vegan, they don't agree with the killing of animals, the use of animals in any sort of food or other body products. Some people, for instance, are very passionate about cow milk. I don't drink cow milk. I don't think that humans should be drinking cow milk because cow milk was made for cows. Okay. So not only is it not very healthy for us, meaning it puts weight on us. Okay. It's meant to make a baby cow become a big huge cow. All right. So not only is it, does it have the potential to put weight on us? It also, the industry of creating that milk is not good for the planet, uses a lot of resources of our planet to produce that milk from all of those cows and for other reasons. So based on the information that I have, I choose to only drink non-dairy milk sources, whether it's almond milk, oat milk, they got lots of, they got walnut milk. They have all sorts of milk. That's my opinion. Okay, so even though I may have 15 articles in my phone that I could show him research about cow milk and why he should never drink another sip of cow milk, I keep my opinion to myself. I may say I don't drink cow milk. I haven't drank cow milk in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I may say that, but then that's the end of it. Okay, we disagree on what type of milk to have with our cereal. We don't have to pull out the research. Also, sports teams. We know that some of us are very passionate about our sports teams. I'm from Baltimore. I'm a Ravens fan. Somebody else may be a Steelers fan. We know the Ravens and the Steelers are are arch enemies. This is not the place to get into a back and forth about the Ravens versus the Steelers. You're just creating that dissension. You're creating that friction. And it's just not the right place for it, for you guys to end up on two sides of a really polarizing topic and for you to be so completely judgmental that it changes the whole energy of the date, okay? It's just not worth it. Also things like men who play video games, right? Some of us as women, we're like, video games, that's for kids. And we may look down our nose at a man who plays a video game, whereas a man, maybe he's in the IT industry, maybe he's in the gaming industry. He sees the technology of that virtual world, whatever it is, It is relaxing for him. It helps him to unwind. It's a form of escapism, right? We may want to go watch a movie on Lifetime in order to escape. He may want to go skate 
into a virtual world through a video game, all right? It's not our place to judge how he wants to unwind. So little things like that, we have to be very careful about launching these insults or derogatory comments. I can't believe a man that does that and putting him down is not going to end well. It's not going to end well. So avoid that approach, okay? Your view is not the superior view. It's your view. We are each allowed permission to have a point of view and have it be valued, protected, and respected, it's not that serious. It's not worth ruining the date and he won't ask you out again. (laughs) Okay. Next thing that men shared with me is sometimes we may show up with this sort of energy or position to say, I am special. I am the prize like an advertisement. Okay. Sometimes some of us show up to say, you going to have to work in order to win me because I am the prize. And we can show up making demands on somebody that we're just meeting. This literally is a stranger. So we have to dial that back some. Yeah, we are a prize. As a woman, you are a prize. However, this is not some sort of an interview where he's showing up trying to apply for a job or a position and you're the gatekeeper. Is he going to get it or is he not? That is not the purpose of a first date. Again, the purpose of a first date is, can you get along? Can you make each other laugh? Can you have fun? You don't need to broadcast, well, I'm this type of woman. I drive this kind of car. I have these kind of labels. I like this type of a vacation. Do you live in this kind of a house? Can you keep me in this particular lifestyle? As though he is vying for a position to be able to take care of us. Can he afford us is how it's coming across in our energy. And what I want to say is we don't have to broadcast what we're about. If we are that woman who is accomplished, who is doing something refined, he's going to know it. Men are very observant. They watch us like hawks, okay? They are paying attention to the little things that we're doing and saying and how we're dressed and how we move and our behavior and all of that. So We don't have to verbally broadcast, I'm about this, this, and this, and this label. And if you want to be with me, you're going to have to meet these expectations. Because what it's showing him is that, number one, you're superficial. Because you'd rather say you need these different things and these labels than to really get to know who he is as a person. So you're superficial and you you want to know less about who he is at the core and more about how can he afford your life or what can he afford for you from a materialistic standpoint, that's not the way to approach a first date. Yeah, we are a prize, but guess what? A good man is also a prize. So we cannot show up like you're the peasant, I'm the queen, you have to serve me because that is going to turn potentially a good man off. We are two equal humans showing up together, trying to get to know each other. And we should be treating each other with respect and understanding, and it should be mutual. Sometimes women will be asking certain questions because they want to see is a guy, can he check these boxes to say, is he going to be a good quote unquote husband material for me? When we ask a lot of probing questions like the CIA, You just put a guy in a position to think, wait, is this a job interview or is this a date? Probing questions like, how much money do you make? That is such a rude, rude thing to ask someone that you are just meeting. And if a guy were to ask me how much I make, 
I probably would not want to deal with that guy anymore. I will finish the date cordially, but I won't want to have anything else to do with a guy who's going to ask me how much I make because it's a very intrusive and it's a very rude question. But as women, sometimes we feel like for whatever reason, it's okay for us to ask that because, you know, oh, is he going to be able to back to, is he going to be able to take care of me? Well, ladies, we are in a new day and we don't how to take care of ourselves. So imagine if a guy was to come on a first date and sit back with his arms crossed and say, well, how many meals do you cook for your man in a week? Or, you know, how many times do you, are you physical with your guy? Cause this is the kind of woman that I need that's going to cook me this many meals and is going to have this many escapades with me in a week. Can you imagine if, if a guy showed up spouting that kind of language and, and that sort of a posture, it would be very, very much a turnoff for us as women for a guy to show up with that sort of an approach to, can you meet my standards? This is what I need in a wife. Are you willing to measure up? No, 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 no. That is nasty. So we don't need to show up in that way when it comes to the man that we're meeting. Just not appropriate, is not respectful, and this is not the right time for those conversations anyway. It's demeaning and it's insulting. I'm just meeting you. Keep it light. Remember, always go back to keep it light. Keep it fun. Talk about things that will make us laugh. This whole, where do you see yourself in five years? That conversation, that maybe that can come up on day three, day four. It's not meant for date number one. It's just not. And you can assess a man's status without asking him, what kind of car do you drive? You can assess a man's status. He's observing us and we can be observing him. Other parts of the conversation, what college did you attend? What places have you traveled? Or what's your favorite place to shop, right? You can get an idea. Is he a high-end shopper? What mall does he go to? So there are questions where we can get our answer, but they're much less intrusive and less offensive sort of questions. What is your industry? What is it that you uh, went to school for? What do you do in your spare time? If he says, oh, I play golf and I, I have a sailboat that I take to da, 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 da. Okay. Well, that shows something about his status without you having to necessarily ask. So just lean into some of those less intrusive questions. Some of the very probing questions like you're the CIA, it's too soon. The other thing that sometimes we will do because we're nervous and we just don't want the awkward silence, we'll get too deep into aspects of our personal life or our family life, or our past. So if you find yourself having verbal diarrhea because you hate awkward silences, lean more toward really light topics. Hey, what kind of music do you like? Who's your favorite artist? Which was your favorite concert? Or what's your favorite movie? What did you think about this movie? Where have you traveled? Okay, what sorts of hobbies? You don't need to get into... My daughter is gay and this is how she came out and the family was so shocked or so-and-so, you know, my, my, my great uncle died and he left me with his house and I don't know what to do with it. Or I have an ingrown hair in my, in my left groin and I got to go into surgery next week. All of that is too much. It is too much, ladies. Keep it like, don't overshare because you're nervous of the awkward silence. Get into music, 
movies, travel, and hobbies. You cannot go wrong with those things. If you talk about those, you can probably get through the hour, hour and a half of that dinner and talk about more probing or more personal things on subsequent dates. And the final thing that I will mention with regards to ways that we can show up better on a first date is don't come with the I don't need a man flag. Don't come waving the I don't need a man flag. And by that, I mean broadcasting that you're self-sufficient, you're independent, you quote unquote, don't need a man. Inherently, men as creatures, for the most part, need to feel needed and they need to feel wanted. So he must feel like he fits in your life some kind of a way, or he can fit in your life some kind of a way. And he must have some clarity on exactly what that is. How can he show up? How can he enhance your life? How can he add to your life? So if you kind of project this, oh, I got this all the way without you sort of energy, he may very likely just move on because he understands that the woman that doesn't need him is going to be more of a struggle for him because he's not going to know where he fits into her life. He's not going to know where he can add value. And this was something that I mentioned on season one, one of the really, really awesome conversations that came up at one of my live events is that one of the women in the audience, when she would meet people because she had previously been married, when her husband divorced her, he was very derogatory when she decided to divorce him. He was very derogatory and, you know, would say comments like, oh, nobody's going to want you with these kids. And he was putting her down from a very uh, uh, verbally abusive sort of a approach to the breakup. And so because she internalized some of that, some of his comments, when she would meet new people, she would again, advertise or broadcast that she doesn't need any help with her kids. Oh, I got this. I don't need any help with my kids. And she couldn't understand why she wasn't getting asked out again or why people weren't being persistent with dating her. And the men on my panel, my amazing mystery men who, who show up at, you know, at my live events. And we have this awesome conversation between successful women in the audience and a panel of men who share how they want to be loved when their woman is a higher earner. And one thing that they explain to her is you are saying to him right off the top, I don't need you. That's the message that he hears. You thought you were doing a good thing by saying, Hey, I got this. You don't have to take care of somebody's kids who are not your own. I'm not looking for, you know, I'm not a gold digger. I'm not an opportunist. I don't need your help with my children. He's seeing it as I don't fit in your life. I'm not bringing anything to your life. You don't need me. So the, I don't need a man mantra. We need to relax it because that's not the energy that's going to be very attractive to a quality guy. One of the other men mentioned, he said, if you're promising him that you don't need any help, you got this all by yourself, that's all you're ever going to get from him. Okay. So if you raise the bar and you raise the expectation, then he will be able to show up and get, you'll get more from him. He'll be able to enhance your life over time. But if you already shut the door on what he can do for you, that's all you're going to get from him. Okay. So you're in, in essence, you're lowering the expectation 
when you make those comments about, I don't need a man. And even though we may have been on our own for some time, maybe we do appreciate the company of a man. Maybe we would like to be in a long-term relationship or in a marriage and have a family. I don't need a man. That does not serve us in this day and age. There was a time and place for that. To me, I think we need to put that to rest and change the verbiage, change the, change the narrative, change the language to be more welcoming and more opening to the possibility of sharing your life with someone. So these are all very, very key topics that I've presented on these past two episodes to just give us some insight on where we're going wrong on the first date as successful high-powered women. You don't have to change anything that I've said on these past two episodes. That is completely up to you. But just understand that if this is what the men are sharing with me from a transparent place, if you're showing up in these ways that we talked about and you're not getting asked on a second date from a quality guy, then you at least can understand why that's the case. And whatever choice you choose, you have to live with the consequences, the ramifications. If you're happy, I'm happy, right? You like it, I love it. (laughs) So I am Dr. Dawn. Everything from season two is coming from my book called How to Find, Keep, and Win at Love When You Earn More Than Him. It is on my website, shemakesmore.com. It's also on amazon.com. Go ahead and get a copy if you want all the rest of the information from the men's tent. You can find me on social media platforms. I am She Makes More on Instagram and Facebook. And if you enjoyed this episode, If you've enjoyed the podcast, please leave me a review on your favorite podcast platforms and share with a boss babe who can also benefit from this information because we're all in this together. So thank you for listening to episode eight of She Makes More Podcasts, and I'm going to see you next time.